the building. So yeah. uh, we're going to uh, get in tune with the conversation with Junior. And um, I think I made you calls. You can unmute Junior, I think. You tried to unmute. He's got, yeah, your co-host. So if you unmute yourself, Junior. You, check one, check one. So, Am I good to you? Yes, good. We hear you. Check one. Very good. Very good. So, yeah. So, this is good, brilliant. Good. We don't want to lose you again. <laughs> Did the phone battery die? <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Go on, you. <laughs> it was just at a point where we were just ready to, 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 to draw gear and get into the, the nitty-gritty of the conversation. Junior, so, I mean... I was watching uh, this clip of you on um, Top of the Pops uh, in the 1980s. Um, and okay. Like, so there was me, I, I was at school, here it is. I was, I was at school back in them times. So how did you get on mm -hmm. Top of the Pops? In, it was in 1982? Tell us about the journey. 1982. Oh, is that me? I'm moving. Junior's frozen. Oh lord. Now we we, we are working with the uh, we're working with the technology. And uh, sound system guy. I used to love sound systems, and I would I would go frozen. Yeah, you're frozen. Um, we're gonna have to try and do it another way. So I don't know, in this type of situation, guys, if everyone turn off their cameras, so just Junior's camera and mine is on, I don't know if that will help. Oh, Junior, you're going to mute again. How did that happen? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You've gone sideways. But... Right, well, I'm there. Well, there you are. Good. Good. So yeah. we've all turned off our cameras to try to help with the bandwidth. Joseph, Joseph, turn off the cameras. They're not going to make any difference. It's all about... Bandwidth, yeah. About the bandwidth and how that's going, and whether or not we're clicking yeah, so in at the present moment. Turn off the cameras is not going to make any difference, bro. No, 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 no. Okay. So let's just go for it. Let's do what we can. Okay. Exactly. On. Modern technology. We Very got Julie Giscom in the building. <laughs> let's go. All right. All so right. Top, top of the pops. Nine eight two. Part things. Started way before that. I was in, uh, I used to be part of, well not part of, I used to go and play Coxon sound system back so in the day, about 13, 14. And uh, my older brothers were, were friends of Lloydie, so that's how I managed to basically get into that and started getting my little one hour at the Roaring Twenties. But I used to go and listen to sound systems. I'd listen to Duke Creed, I'd listen to uh, Neville Enchanter. This was thing. It was about clarity of sound. You always knew that if a sound system played a soul tune, that was going to be a tune, not just for today, but right. it was going to last. So my roots came from, really, my roots came from sound system. It wasn't until I got into, like, say, my teens that I started to go out and go to places like the, the venue and places like this, which were more interracial clubs. So it was black and white kids going to those clubs. Mm. So I was seeing a different thing. I was beginning to see how white kids were looking at black music, how white kids were looking at us as black kids, 
Mm. You're going back to like Skinhead Moonstone for that kind of stuff. Are we right? That was coming through. Those guys. 17. We're talking late 60s. Seven, we're talking late 60s, early 70s mm. of um, really, yeah, early 70s before 76, just around about that time when things started to change musically, disco became big. Mm-hmm. Everything started to move into a more, let's be more together. So you were going to clubs that were mixed clubs outside of London. Right. But at the same time, you were dealing with clubs with inside London, which was still black, 99% people going to. So there was this mixture going on, in, especially in, in, in London during that period of time. Mm. So musically, you're hearing everything. I mean, we didn't have, how could I say it? We didn't have black radio as such. We had these yeah. American radios that were at the end of the dial when you right. had a blue spot. Right. Had to go and find him at the end of the dial. Tune he, in, tune in. I mean, tune in, you know? Yeah. And you would get like, you know, the Dells, the Manhattans, mm. um, the Moonglows. And James Brown, early James Brown, early Wilson Pickett, early, you know, that kind of stuff was like coming through. Yeah. At the same time, your parents were getting tuned and over from Jamaica. I want to wear you to the ball, you way, you know, the Abyssinians, all of these people now, oh, right, was also your influencing. You're talking about your parents. They were involved yeah. in the music business? Were they involved? No, in my parents, my parents were. No, not at all. My mother sang, but my mm. mother was more um, church. She was Catholic. My mm. father was a carpenter, right? And a very, I'll give him his dues. He was one of a very good one because he helped to make Apple Studios. He right. was like one of the main characters who put that studio together. Right. So my father was that man, right? right? But my mother was more. Mother, she was an iron. She she closed. That was her living. But my mum was really the the. She was the house. She brought yeah. everybody together. She made there was eight children. I'm the youngest. One in Jamaica made it nine. So it's nine of us, right? right? So you're the youngest of nine. You're right. trying to be heard. My mum was there, but my I was heard. I wanted to do. I didn't want to do what I was seeing. Everybody was running down the road of what was given to them from the society that they were living in. So it was like, you get up, you go work and that's it. You get your house, you get your car and that's it. Mm. And for the rest of your life, you look after your children and that is it. And I was like, hell no, that's not for me. Mm. I want to do something different. And I want to be told how to live my life. I want to, what I am seeing when I was at college between 16 and, and 18, I, I did black history. so. I knew myself. My mother was a Garvey. So I knew myself. Right. So it wasn't about me coming into an arena, being born in the UK, but coming into this arena. Okay. He froze. You should be. That wasn't going to be me. So I gravitated. I knew I had two things that was going for me, and that was music and also football. I signed for Chelsea when I was about 13, 14, right? Did that for two years and realized that like the way that they treated you, i.e. me as a black youth, I wasn't going for that. Mm. So I pushed myself more into music, put a band together by the time I was 17 called Atlantis. We went out 
I started to understand what that was all about. By the time I got to 21, 22, I wanted to learn more about studio work. Yeah. So I kind of disbanded the band and started doing that. I had a friend yeah. who rang me up and said he was making an album and wanted me to write songs for the album. Yeah. So I got to with him and I wrote a song called Get Up and Dance, Hot Up and Heated, and it went to number one in France. Oh. That opened the door for me to be signed in the UK. But I went to America because the record was actually happening and breaking in America for me. And I went to America, the A&R man came over from England, got in contact with me and said to me that he basically wanted me to come back to England and I could make a record and make records the way I wanted to make records. Right, that resonated with so I thought, well, that makes sense to me. Plus my family, I didn't want to be that far away. I didn't want to be living in America and making music and having all of my family over there. So I came back. I came back and I went in with a guy called Bob Carter, who was part of a, a band called Lynx. Right. And Bob and I got together and Bob and I decided, well, not decided, I'd written all of these songs and I got Bob to do the arrangements to the songs. Mm. And one of those songs was what Mummy used to say. Right, that okay. song, that song then went to America, got remixed in America because it came out in England and nobody wanted to know. No black DJ wanted to play me. No white DJ wanted to play me. Right. So that record to America, I'll tell you why in a minute, that record went out to America and that record broke big. There was no promotion behind it. There was no uh, money thrown into it to make it into this big record that you see people today. It was a song that gravitated to the people on the street. Mm. A guy called Frankie Crocker in New York played it one night. Mm. And the next day, the record was everywhere. It's the only record ever to be played on American radio stations for 12 minutes consistently because they would play the rock and roll side that we did in England and the side in, in the other side that they remixed in America. When the record came back to England and started to become a big hit and I got my first Top of the Pops, right. it started looked upon as, well, this kid is different to everybody else because one, he doesn't have white management. Two, he's done all of this himself up to this point. There's no management involved, motion man involved, no nothing. This was done by him and an A&R man in a record company. And uh, how do we control this kid? How do we keep this kid on par, being the kind of personality that we want to push to reflect Black Britain? Right. That started very early. <clears throat> so I realized after doing this wonderful Top of the Pops, which was fantastic at the time to do, and all the other things that I did at that particular time in terms of TV and whatever else, they were great things to do. But what I was learning within myself was that there was a, we want to portray you in a particular way so that you came as a face of Black Britain. It would be like, um, and I'm a friend, so I'm saying this from the heart, it would be like Frank Bruno, he was put in a position of trying to be the face of Black Britain, but Black Britain was moving away from Frank because right. that didn't stand for There was a lot of artists who were doing that kind of thing. It didn't stand for us. It meant standing for an ideology of us to project to us and say, I want like that. I didn't want to play that part. 
Right. So I did my first album, sold lots of albums, millions of albums around the world. And then the second album took me a couple of years to make because I would be fighting with the record company not to be put in that position. Right. In America, records out and I'd have a hit with uh, a tune called Unison went to number one in America. Nobody in England even knew. Right. right? We turned around and we were making records that were having success, were being successful. Beverly Hill Cup. I did a track for Beverly Hill Cup. In doing a track for Beverly Hill Cup, we sold a, what was it, 180 million albums worldwide. Mm. I won a Grammy for being involved in all of that. Who knew here? Right. Nobody knew here. You weren't supposed to know because you see, that would make you see that it is possible to right. do this side of them. Right, right. That, that was a very deep part of my life because I started to, as I said, I knew myself. I went to college. I learned about black history. I wasn't from waiting early until on. the 50s. I learned black history from when I was 16, 17, 18. Right. As a mother was a Garveyite. So there right. was implant this whole thing of knowing thyself first and foremost. Right. Not pushing in, not listening to this crap about, well, you know, I have to be better than. Mm. I don't have to be better than, I just have to be better than me. Right. Better myself, right. not better. Because mm. you're always going to see somebody better than you. Mm. It's not about being that, it's about being the best that you can be, enlightening your people, be that way, right? Mm. By the way that you can yourself, your character, and also, what you stand for in terms of what I stand for within my music. Absolutely. So, the stories talk the things that we have Junior Giscombe in the building talking the things. Go on with it. Go on with it, sir. You know, you raise a very, very valid point. When you said, because we talk about black history, and you said mm -hmm. you knew that from a very young age, and so you knew who you were. Recently, we yeah. had conversations where we were brainwashed into not knowing who we were. And one of the things we said, just imagine you knew who you were, where you could be. And here you are talking about it. Knew who you were. Right. It's, it's, it's about elevating. It's not about the individual. It's about elevating. My, my thing was that we were living through a time during the 80s whereby racism was rife. Mm. We couldn't get jobs, right? Mm. Enough men was out beefing. Enough mm. men was out there pushing drugs. Enough mm. men was out there with who was a tailor and he's doing certain things tailoring wise. Mm. Certain men with jewelry and getting the the, the 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 diamonds and selling them on the. What I'm trying to show you is, is that I, it's not like if I lived in this cocoon world. Mm. I lived in a world that was real. Yeah. I was on the streets when they the riots in Brixton. It wasn't like if I was in my house cowering and watching on TV. Right, you was right? there. I, from that. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I understood all of that. By 86, I was part of something called Red Wedge, which was Billy Paul, Billy Paul, sorry, which was um, Billy Braggs, Paul Weller and myself. We put this thing together concerning trying to get people to understand, especially young people, to understand the politics of the time. Thatcher was around, yeah. Neil Kinnock was Prime Minister at that time, mm. right? My whole involvement 
wasn't from either political end of the spectrum because I'd already sussed what that was. Right. My thing, get young black people to come and see the shows, put paraphernalia on, on chairs so that they could read, go to your local uh, MP, lobby him, understand these are things that we can do, right? Yeah. At, at that time, that's right. how my working and that's what I was doing. You was about so, change bringing about change for of them course. going back 30 years. Because what I was looking at was the fact that like my friends then were just ordinary guys on the street and didn't have it good. So they were doing all kinds of certain movements and whatever else. And I knew within myself that they were better than that. Right. But the circumstances that they were in provided, not provided by their parents, but provided by the society that we lived in. Right. They were never ever going to be playing on a level playing field. Right. I wanted to push that. I wanted people to know that, like, listen, right, I can stand on this stage with these two guys, you know, and all of these acts here and hold my arm. Yeah. Realized that through the press, they wouldn't even talk about the fact that the shows that we did. So you guys never ever heard. Right. You guys saw it. You, right. And if you it, then it was pushed in the sense that, like, you know, these guys are wealthy and they, they've got all of this money and, and, you know, they're doing this. I never had all no money. I just knew the right thing to do was to try and liberate my people mm. through it. Whereby we were all being looked upon as this is how you should do it. This is don't put your hand in your pocket, Junior. You know, people don't like, no, no, don't tell me how to do my thing. Right, right. You do your thing that way, you do your thing that way. That's good for you. Yeah. But I like to put my hand in my pocket. That's some young man, my name used to drop. I like the clothes. That's how we drop, right? You would now trying to tell me, no, that's not the way to dress for a wider marketplace. A wider marketplace being a European marketplace. My, my marketplace was always a black marketplace. Yeah. You know, the thing is, like, as you're talking to me now, I wish there was a guy like you when I was 20. I'll be able to part the things like how we're talking now. Do you know what I mean? Right. We grew up 20 foot and there just wasn't. There wasn't. I know. But they, you know the thing? They were, you know, but we weren't, we were never going to be put on that stage for you to hear. The whole thing was never about you getting the education you needed. Right. That's never going to happen. Right. Right. But let's get this, you know, I listened to, as I said earlier, let's get this right. Show me a black artist right now who's been around for 10 years that can still go on TV and still be looked upon and as a artist. Mm, right. You have a black artist in this country and he goes on TV. It's like, oh, you know, and he had that song. Right. Right. Talking about a song. So you're marginalizing him in a lovely way. British do it all the time. Right. They, they exactly how to do that. They turn around and they use a wonderful word today called diversity, right. right? What does it truly mean? What? Because I am black, you now have to find a way to encompass it, me into your thing. Who told you I wanted to be in your thing? Right, right. Who told you I wanted to be in your thing? Right. right? You're assuming me, so you're you're dictating to me without dictating to me. Right, right. You get yeah, it, the, the thing is, don't we as black people, 
we swallowed it up without even realizing. That's why I was saying earlier, don't watch TV because they're putting subliminal thoughts in our minds without mm. us even realizing it. And that's exactly I, what you're saying. I totally understand that, but we're now living in a time whereby the phone is more important than the TV. Right. Let's get right, right? These kids, kids are the, what they're doing with their phones are just incredible. Yes. Right? Now, if we could liberate their minds as elders, we could liberate their minds into understanding. If you can do all of that, you know, out on the street, trust me, you're an entrepreneur. You yes. need to this way. You need to see that. If we as elders can start showing them that and helping them to yes. that niche in there, you would start to find that we would be able to liberate ourselves mentally. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm going to come tomorrow, but we would begin to liberate ourselves because we would not be subjected to looking in the wrong area. Here, here I'm going to drop one on you then. Um, youth centres. I used to go to one. Yeah. I used to be a part of a youth centre right. down in Clapham. All of them guys in Clapham would, would tell you we right. were what? I don't know. We was what? Between, we was going secondary. So maybe 11, 12, 13. Right, that used to be fantastic for us. Right. At the same time, at the same time during that period of time, they had the sus law, yeah. Mm. So you had to be in at a certain time, and they even had curfew in London. People forget, right? At that time as well, so you had to be in by nine o'clock, and mm. that was because black people were carrying on with themselves because there wasn't many of us here at that time. Yeah. That. I kids, right? Rockers and Teddy boys, right? right. And that, that's why they locked it down. The history of the country has always been something that they pushed under the carpet, you know, mm. to ensure that they show the black side of things. If you, you have all of these stabbings and killings and murders, yeah? yeah. But that's totally correct. It's happening in, let's say, some of these cities that we have around the country. But primarily, Europeans white people in this country live outside of all of that right so you're, they're carrying on like if they live outside of it it doesn't happen mm. it no more happen right when we're 0.3 percent of the, 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 the population right yeah. let's get this right if yeah. there's even 15 million even 20 million of us as black people in this country which there are not but if there was there's still 46 million white people and you're trying to tell me that we do the most damage in the inner cities. I mean, come on now. You Don't just have to, you just use logics, right? Yeah. To understand or playing with our minds. Right. You're, in, in, you're inflicting on us a way to perceive ourselves which will never get us out of where we are. Right. So we will always fight it's mental oppression. That's what it is. Yeah. It's mental slavery. It's yeah. been mental. I'm sure when you went to school, after 15, 16, you maybe had a careers officer. I don't know if it's still implied in them. Maybe. And you would say to him, you know, I want to be a politician. And he would smile and look at you and say, oh, please, you know what? Your best bet is to be a motor mechanic. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a motor mechanic, but you've you've you're trying to aspire, right, to be a doctor. You want to aspire to be something great yourself. Yeah. Not to say you could be the greatest mechanic that ever lived, 
But the way that it put across to you was that, oh, please, that's that's the kind of work you need to do with your hands, not the work where you use your brain. Right. Now that we're you now that we're using our brains, they're even better than us at it. So they bring you in. You black people in the Conservative Party were talking to you in a in a way whereby to say that like, you know, being a part of a particular political party is a good thing. How can that be? When we have a people have watched Labour and Conservative smash our faces in right. every time. Right. Not, not like each, any one of them turned around and, and was kissing us and loving us. Mm. Labour us in the 60s and the 70s. When they didn't need us, they went to the Indian man who's coming in from Uganda because he had the money. Right. So then you put Patel's years on, you see, what's his name? Naeem years on. You see that they are now becoming prominent individuals within the Conservative Party. But if you go back and you look where that finances came from, Mm. to be inflicted in the Conservative Party to make them big, you start to understand. Yeah. Let me ask you, how do you look at the youths of today? When you see the foolishness that they're going on, what's your thought? What comes to mind? Because we spoke about the youth centres. They've closed most of them down. So these kids are forced on the street. So Agreed. I think it's I think it's more difficult now than it was in my time, and the reason I say that is because of the fact that like, if a mother has two or three children and she has to give them, I I didn't eat food on the street. Mm. You understand? I'd come out of school, we'd go down the road, and we'd go and get like half a loaf and chips in those days, right? And right. a little top, put in a little top here, right? Yeah. And then we back and we walk back to school when we finished school we went home to eat we didn't buy food on the street so we hang around school and we were playing penny up the wall and stuff like this you'd see kids doing that and you'd look at them and you'd look down at them right right and it wasn't primarily black kids that was doing that everyone like, you know? yeah Every- yeah you get what i'm saying yeah yeah but we would go home and you would eat at home. I know it sounds silly to you, maybe. No, it doesn't. You watch, you, you watch these children and you can see that like their mother or father isn't at home. So they give them a change so that when they come out of school, that's 3.30, you know, 4 o'clock. Right. It is dinner. Right. In and chips, here's dinner. Right. And then they come in and the kids are coming in now after they've eaten their chicken and chips and mum ain't there, they have to deal with that time that maybe that hour or that two hours before mum comes in mum's depressed because mum has most probably had to take on board and deal with people who don't see her as even a human being or him they've had to deal with all day and then they're coming back into their house the little you want time and they don't maybe have that time because they're stressed right there's more to do with why our children are behaving the way that they are mm. than very simplistic things that we seem to all want to come up with, yeah, it's, right? Think... It's got a lot to do with the environment that we live in, mm. the way that we deal with that environment and then transmit that over to our children. Yeah, Our children are getting negative vibes because we are being incredibly negative as much as we're being positive. Right. We're being negative and we're, we're carrying on like we didn't see things that they're seeing when we were children and then we we're too nice you know we, we never see that 
I never see a man get killed. I never see a man get stabbed. I never see this. I never see that. Well, I tell you, I saw men get stabbed. I tell you, I saw men being shot. I tell you, I saw men bringing in guns. I bought so many in weed. So maybe just the environment that I was coming out of, maybe I was the only one out of all of us then that saw that. Mm. Be real to what it was. So that when you're talking to your children, you can talk to them from a real place, not the highfalutin what I read or what I saw on TV. Yeah. That makes no sense to children. Right. Not anymore. Mm. Our children are much better than that. I can't be telling my son, boy, I saw you on, I saw this, that, and on TV, and blah, blah, blah. He's going to go deeper and Google it. Can, and Google is the teacher now, isn't it? Is it their teacher? He's going to come back to me. He's going to want to ask me questions. And I'm saying, well, boy, I only saw it on TV. No, you're not catching me. Is it? You're not. A question from the chat. Yeah? This, this one's from Norris. Let me see if I can see. This one's from Norris. He asks, hi, Junior. Back in the day, did uh -huh. you and Billy Ocean encounter the same experience with the record industry, especially having two black men from Britain? We both did. I think the, the catalyst, really, the, the real guy is Eddie Grant. Eddie Grant really, Eddie Grant started his own distribution company. He started his own pressing company. As soon as all of that started to happen, they closed him down. Right? They closed him down because he was an independent. There was no European involved, no Caucasian involved in his right. setup of band that he was in. Right. But you said the same thing for yourself, right? You did your own thing. They took no notice of you. It was because you was in America and made it big there that then they started to take a note and then they wanted to put you in a box. So the yeah. narrative, again, is what we've been talking about earlier. The narrative, isn't it? It's always the narrative. They, you go with it, though. This is the thing. If you go with their narrative, you can be huge for a couple of years, you know? Right. right? As soon as you go against their narrative, as you should watch and see, none of these artists last. Look at right. these little come along. They come along, look at Stormzy, last year, year before he was the big thing, the sliced bread. When there? Huh. When? Right? You know, when Soul to Soul hit, they were the big thing, the sliced bread. Where them there? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you just got to look at the way that we get projected to understand. Look at the woman called it, the little girl from Look and Mix right now. She's now out there talking, look, you know, it's really difficult being a black girl in right. this business. Now, did she talk about them girls that was there before her who had mm. to take on board the crap to enable someone like you to come through? It didn't start with you, young lady. It started right. with these girls back in the day from the Misha Parishes going all the way back. Misha Parish, yeah. Who, like, who had to, remember, Misha is not a light-skinned black woman. Right. This is a in the black woman mm. so she would have taken on all kinds of different stresses right to open doors for this young girl to come through yeah absolutely another no, question in the chat now guys do put your questions in the chat mandy's applauding she's using the uh, reactions very good mandy appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> now uh where is it gone we can't this area question for junior which woman made mm -hmm. you record the track Morning has come, and that's from Jemmy. Uh, that guy, Jemmy. 
a breakup with with my with my girlfriend at the time, and um, I wanted to write something that reflected that I had no bad feelings, and that morning will come. She was a great friend to me, and to her death, to the day that she died, we stayed great friends. It was my way of showing that we as a people did not have to travel through this journey of this woman was going to tell the children all kinds of rubbish and then the children are going to come to me with crap and then I'm going to be back and forth with her and, and the children are going to see that. No, that was never going to be me. I wanted to write something that said that we can be liberated and move forward. Yes, we will have that moment of you know, you cat crowning will be like, but we'll get over that, you know. And you know why we have to get over that? Because we have two one children that we love. Right. And if we don't get over that, we're going to implant in them a way of seeing another human being. And I'm not prepared for that. Right. So morning will come was more from a perspective, right? To say to people that that's, you know, we will all go through that. We were all, some of us, not all of us, but a lot of us do have relationships and we have children within that relationship and we part. Mm. And we need to fully, like, like, morning will come, man. You know, the pressure and that will ease. It's not about the money. It's about the time given to the child. You're there taking on the European perspective. About the money. I want the money because, you know, I have to buy this and I have to buy this. I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get that. Mm. But that child isn't thinking that. That child wants its dad or its mum. Child wants to run, wants to play, wants to smile, wants to be educated by that parent. And if the other, if you're both fighting one another, all you're showing that kid is to fight, is not to have respect, is to look at others and decrease, look at them as nothing. You know, you're doing that. That's why I said we must look at ourselves, not keep looking at the children. We're carrying on like it. we're so nice, we're so good, we did nothing wrong. We complied. Mm. They're not complying. Right. They're not complying. And you have to you you have to understand they're not complying because of our energy that we gave them during periods of their lives. It's not their fault. It's right. You and I just don't mesh. Not their fault. Right. But we're throwing rubbish into the mix. Right. My father's rubbish, man, because he don't give him no money. Ten years down the road, he might be a be and he might give a girl money and the girl, I say, he's rubbish. He's, he's perpetuating rubbish. Right. Have to right. stop it. We, the old generation. We have to watch what we're doing around our children. Another question here, well, actually, it's Teresa. Um, I'll make it into a question. She says, we were talking about the music business and she, Teresa's saying, artists, uh -huh are earmarked for a short time period. Do you think that's true? Do you think their you know, time's only short or? No, I don't, you know, because I think I look at um, Caribbean music and I also look at American music. And um, the Isley Brothers have been around for the last maybe 50 years making music. Stevie Wonder's been around for the last 40 years, 50 years. Lionel Richie's been around, Michael Jackson was around, right? So now, again, again, it's what's been given to you to perceive. I'll show you what I mean. 
You, I was in 1969. I'm going to wear you to the ball. Mm. Dawn Penn, now no, it's from 1969, right? These records and these people have longevity because they were making great music. Right. Now, we understand what great music is, then we have lasting artists. It's a simple thing. Simple. So you've been given that pop, popular music, people say pop, pop music. Pop is only short for popular. So mama used to say it's a popular song, not right. a pop song. That's just as a abbreviation for it. Right. So you think about pop as being the Bay City Rollers. You think about pop as being uh, a Spandell Ballet. You think about pop as being Take That. You think about pop because pop is supposed to be wow. When in actual fact, you're not giving credence to those artists who made that song that became popular for the, you know, the Carpenters. Mm. They're, what, the 60s and they're still popular, right? right? You have jazz musicians, right? Charlie Parker, right, in the 30s and stuff, 40s. They're still popular. People still buy that music. Young kids are just being entertained with that music. I don't hear many people playing Jack Swing, right? And that was only in the 90s. We're now in the 2000s, right? And who plays Jack Swing? It's like a whole end, it's like a whole 10 year period just kicked to the curb. Nobody plays it. It didn't make music to laugh. (laughs) It's not true. It hasn't laughed back 10 years from that and you go into the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and all of these artists seem to have made records that we're still playing today you can still play a Temptations record today Dems is the tune isn't it? you can still play right you can still play a stylistics today you can still you get what I'm trying to say yes right in that period right that 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 90s period right Hey, you ain't hearing nobody playing no swing beat. I don't hear it. No. I don't hear nobody going mad for the Teddy Riley. <laughs> as you're talking, as you're talking, I don't know if what you can see on your screen. I got 25 faces of mine, and all you can see is head nods. You see people clapping. People saying, yeah. <laughs> Everybody, their heads are just nodding. Like, yeah. So, yeah, talking things for sure. Um, now here's another one. Spice asked this question. Uh, she says, "Can you tell me if there is an artist, past or present, who you would like to duet with, and why?" Well, if I could, I would have. I would have loved to have um, duetted with. Oh, think about it, Julian, because there's a few. Mm. If I would be. I would love to have, I would have loved to have been able to have been of a generation to have sung with an Ella Fitzgerald, um, a Billie Holiday, right? Those those people are the voices, a Mahalia Jackson. Those women are the women for me, right? Who who epitomize greatness, you know? I'd been fortunate years on, I did a show with Anita Baker, a couple of shows in America with Anita Baker, and oh, I thought that Anita wow. Baker was just and still it. 
Billy is an incredible voice and, and vision and everything. And I love him. Yeah, I love Anita. Amazing, you know, amazing, um, amazing. I've been for, I've, you know, I've, I've worked with a few ladies and, and, and sung with Janet Kaye, Carol Thompson, in terms of the reggae side of things. I've known them girls for, those women, should I say, I've known those women since we were coming into the business as children. Probably you know, so it was wonderful to make an album them on. Um, I, you know, I'm a big, I love John Holt and I, I love Slim Smith as men to sing with. But those three women would be the ones for me. As I said, for me, the reason why is that I think all three epitomized things within myself that I would love to say, I would have loved to have done Strange Fruit as a grown, as a young man and, and made that comment that Billy Holiday made. I'd have loved to have sung with Ella Fitzgerald and just been able to hold a tune with the woman. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. like trying to push yourself into a better place. And those women would have done that. We are talking the things with Junior Giscom. Uh Look, DJ Smiley, were you surprised that that tune will still be dropping in dances? Um, um, morning will come. Morning will come. Sorry. Morning will, yeah. come. morning will come. Yeah. Morning. Yes. Morning. I, oh. Yeah, man. I hadn't. I hadn't. You know, when we did that tune, I left you and I went to America. And when I got back from America, I have to name him. His name is Adrian Sykes. He was the A and R guy, and he was a black guy. Mm. And Adrian, when I got back, I said to me, Junior, we just dropped the biggest tune of your career, <laughs> and I started laughing. And he said to me, No, we're gonna go club now you're gonna hear it i can't remember the name of the club and me and him were standing at the back and when the dj played the tune and i saw everybody hands up in the air blah blah blah, blah. i thought oh, what's wrong with you i thought to myself imagine this is britain you know this is my people then you, you you know it was like i got that in america but to see it at home yeah nobody no no nothing my hairs were standing up. I felt like a child of five who had been given that sweet, right, that you always wanted. It was the best feeling, and I can feel it now still. It was the best feeling I'd ever felt. Just that that record and the way that it made people feel, the way that it touched people, what it meant to people. Man, I give thanks. I oh well, hey, you you wrote that record for a reason. It comes from the heart. Sometimes you're writing. You probably feel that. Sometimes you're writing the music, and you have you ever felt you've written a song, and it's touched people in a way, and it, you know that you never imagined. But at the same time, you know, you when you're writing, what's the sort of vibe that you have when you're writing? What's you know? Do you know what I mean? Because music touches people yeah. in different ways. No, it's down to you. I think I think I I call myself the sponge because all I do is I listen a lot. I chat and chat and this, that, and the other. But I'm listening, right? And it's where you're from to write something that ignites you because you're going through it. You understand it. You know it. It wasn't said before, but now it's being said, and you're down with it. Mm. That's me. It's always about trying to look at how to get across a story. Gil Scott Heron did it great for me as a child, right? He spoke about South Africa, he spoke about the injustices, right? When Earth of Mali and the Whalers and, and what they were doing and what they were saying, 
And as I said, the Abyssinian and bands like that, people who were educating themselves into a knowledge that they wanted you to expand on. And I, I, I loved that kind of music. I just, yeah, we can dance and jump up and down and everything is cool. But I loved that kind of music. And before I go on deep, I saw your little clip. I know you under, I know you love swing beat, but come on now. Let's be for real. When last you heard a swing beat in 2000? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up that point already. I couldn't, I couldn't argue it. Um, um, look at this here, uh, Edward. There's a few questions. Junior, are you managing or writing for any up and upcoming singers? Are you writing? I've been doing. I used to. I did a lot of that in the early career. There was a singer called Paul Johnson that maybe a lot of you know. They had a song called uh, "When Love Comes Calling." I had written and produced all of that project, and that was my first getting into um, that kind of thing. At the present moment in time. I've just worked with a French band called the AP Connection and written some songs for their project. So I still like to get involved in different things. I'm still a learner. You know, it's not like if I know it all, I'm still learning. So yes, I do get involved with young kids coming through. There's, there's a lot of things here. How are you still maintaining those high octaves? Julie, Julie Cruz. <laughs> 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 I don't know, you know, I'm not sure myself. <laughs> I'm not even sure myself. I, 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 I suppose it's because I always try and sing in the key that I record in. Yeah. So, and I seem to in high registers and maybe that's why. And, and um, when I go out, I'm not out on the road for like five nights of the week. So at least I have a voice. You know, each time because it's kind of as you get older it gets more difficult to hit those high notes <laughs> oh there's <laughs> there it is <laughs> he revealed it right there <laughs> Teresa says have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker listening to you tonight a lot of people have said that as Lady Christine a lot of people have said that I've I've uh because of multiple cirrhosis and my, my, my daughter, uh, unfortunately, she passed from it. That kind of gave me the end to go around, basically around the country in different places and speak to um, black people who have multiple cirrhosis and my thoughts on that particular disease and how best to combat it and stuff. In terms of standing on a stage and being a, multiple, a motivating speaker, I don't, I don't know about that. I think I need to make sure that my music is right and that's tight and that motivates you to those people who can are more eloquent in speech than i am to be able to get across that you know not that we need change we are in change valid point pinky reminds us of bass city rollers <laughs> kerry was playing your song on karaoke she says how do you feel when people sing your song and do you ever contact those who sing your song on those sing-song apps? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes when um, different band, there was a band called Little Brother who was a rap band and they did one of the songs from the first album called Is It Love? And they called theirs, Is That Love? 
And I had to get in contact. I just loved the vibe. I loved the, the energy. I loved what they were saying. So yeah, I get in contact with them. And some of them, when they want to use, Mama used to say, will get in contact with me. Mm. And we will chat and, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing being able to do that. I, I still love that. Oh, wonderful. Gail is in the building. There you are, Gail. Gail, you don't put on your camera yet. What was it like, says Gail, working with Luciano? Oh, well, it's one of, you know, you, 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 it's really difficult to sum it up because at the time, Luci had lost his, his, one of his children and he was in an indifferent place mentally. And because I was going through what I was going through with my child, we were both in a different place, but it was like, I suppose, we went into the studio at the same time and we recorded it exactly at the same time. So he sang his verse, I sang my verse, and we just bounced off of one another. And he talks me, and I sound strange, but within three and a half minutes, I learned so much about my own song and how to sing it by singing with him and slowing down the way that I approached it so that it felt more in time with where he was going. It was a beautiful scenario, right, to be in it, to be in at that time. And, and we did it in the video. And as you can see, if you've seen the video, right, there's this fun element between the two of us. You know, this, I just love Lucci. I think Lucci is one of, is a very special, special artist. And <laughs> as a man, as a human being, a very special. Gaelic yeah. The, the applause there. Uh, question for Junior. People <laughs> are looking at you, Junior. They're looking. The ladies are watching you right now. Any question or any question, yeah. Tell us the secret to your youthful look what? mixed with a fresh way of thinking and evolving. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I, I my, my my brothers and sisters used to keep me in check. <laughs> I uh, have a fantastic one who looks to me very well. I have some children and grandchildren that I, I can't wait to see over the weekend because it's my birthday over the weekend. And everybody will come down and we'll hang together. I think for me what it is is that my family keep me fresh and young because they're always challenging, always okay. challenging, down to the littlest one, you know who turned around and made me like, you know, I said to him, I wanted him and his sister to come up and spend some time. And he turned and he said to me, oh, granddad, can we do this? Just me and you, right? <laughs> so I said, why? He said, oh, mate, she talks much. She just talks too much, granddad. <laughs> but things like that keep me just laughing and enjoying life. And I think that's what, we need to continue to do, and I, that's me. Maybe that's why I look the way I am. I just enjoy them kids. Diet, exercise routine, any special diet? Yep, I exercise routine because I, um, I think it was what, late 90s, I was in a car accident and I broke my back in two places. Mm -hmm. And they said I'd never be able to walk again. And again, being the kind of individual I am, I was like, hell no. So, uh, there was two people in the hospital who helped me to get out of bed the second day that I was in there and, and got me to walk. And I did that for seven nights. And then after I did that, I turned around and said to them that I wasn't going to stay in the hospital. They said, you can't walk, you can't move, your back's broken. 
And I was like, hell no, I'll show you. And they put me in these little things, these railing things, and I walked down it and uh, I got home. And when I got home, they managed, they let me go and I got home. And when I got home, <clears throat> my brother said to me, you need to go on a program. And I decided then that I would do sit ups and press ups. And that's been going on pretty much every day for the last 25 years. Wow. That's 25 years. Well done. Well so done. I just... <laughs> Thank you. Well done. That's, you know, so that's... it was the experience of the accident. That's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> what is your what is your diet diet wow i don't i eat one meal a day i don't do breakfast and i don't do lunch i do i'll eat nuts um i'll drink juices um i had a diet in terms of fruits as well fruits i eat that but um i'll eat a big meal no matter what it is it could be chicken beef whatever I'll eat a big meal, but today. What time of day would that be? One meal a day, what time of day would that be? Normally for me, it's like in the evening, so it'd be around about seven o'clock, eight o'clock. So I don't, I, I drink like a glass of hot water in the morning with some lime and that'd be me. I can run on that. And I learned that when I was, uh, when I was on tour in America. You'd have breakfast and then you'd stop. You'd have you'd have lunch and then you'd stop and you'd. Have... Okay, we'll... Come back and play squash, right? To get all up, put that bag on top of t-shirt, another black bag on, and then me and my friend bike, bike maybe in two hours. I'd sweat and play and do it, do it and get it off. Mm. And it was basket, you know, my my nephew. No, 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 Junior, we can't lose you now. We can't <laughs> lose you now. We lost him. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. He's probably still talking as well. He doesn't realize that. He, so, he will come back. He will come back. Come he will back. Come Good back. Lord. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. We are in conversation with the man himself, Junior Giscom. And uh, by the way, I should I wait for him to come back to, um, because he has a... Um... He's back, He's back, John. Oh, he's back. Okay, well, you'll see that. Let me just stop that and bring him in. Where's he going? Unmute yourself, Junior. Unmute yourself. Oh, no, we have to make him co- I have to find him first. Yeah. Make him. Oh, he's co-host. Yep. You have to unmute yourself. Yeah, unmute yourself. There you are. Mr. Smith. 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 But Junior, because um, we're not going to ask you, we're, we're not going to ask you to sing. They want to hear you sing, but the reception is not brilliant. But can we ask you to uh, join us at a live event? Well, when is your live event? 
When is it? Coming up. We, we, we'll give you plenty of advance notice. I think they, they just want to hear a yes. <laughs> we'll give you how much advance no. we need to give okay. you. Okay. Well, let me... Let me... No. No. Okay. I, I will have that conversation with you so offline. Things going <laughs> you there? Yeah. I don't. Are you here? You're cutting in Okay. Now. I'll leave you with a little bit of something. Am I cracking up? Yeah, the, nope. the, you can't sing here because it's... Yeah, sing, man. Don't, man. Yeah. don't listen to Joe. Sing, man. It's going in and out. Don't listen to Joe. Sing it, sing it, man. Yeah. Sing it proud. Yeah. It is our days when the warm light of the sun Build your life now Easy! In the way all of us so clear Nothing can go wrong See now you're moving in positive ways Oh Lord Skylark, she's singing Seems to sing a special song Just for you Morning will come. Showing me the way, <laughs> the way I must live. At the dawn of the day, spirits will rise to find a new way. Easy, easy! Boom, boom, boom! Oh, Lord! Easy, my man, nice! The, the ladies, they turned on their cameras, look! They saw me spotlight, they turned on their cameras! <laughs> easy, easy! Lovely! Big joke! Thank you, thank you for that! Thank you. Um, before you go, Junior, because we, we value your time, we really, really do appreciate your coming on. Uh, we just want to promote your... Album. Uh-huh. The uh, new album is called Everything's... And it's bad, yeah. trust me. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. I know, because I got it. Everything set... Thank you. It's dedicated memory... Everything of... set... My daughter, Janique. Janique. And, uh... The album is um the album you can get the album from my website which is juniorgiscom.co.uk. Uh, again, it's like as I said, it's like keeping it away from those people that want to manipulate it into being something that it's not. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So please go up and grab a listen, grab hold of this new album, juniorgiscom.co.uk. Everything's there. Now, I'm going to do something real quick, Junior, before you go. Again, thank you so much for coming on with Shams and Giggles. By the way, you guys can unmute yourself because we don't want to have a silent applause. I've got a question, Joe. Well, you guys can unmute yourselves. Wonderful, Junior! Oh, my God!